I'm telling you, church, this is a message for today. And not just for today, it's something that is going to seep deep into us and begin to pave the way forward for where God is positioning this church. It's part of this series, this five-fold ministry of Christ series. And we're in the second week. And all I can say is get ready. Get ready. Because the Lord has a word for you today, a word for every single one of us. So don't ignore it. Don't think it's for someone else because it is for you. This morning, we're going to look at the very first of the functions, the first of the fivefold functions, which is the apostles, the apostolic ministry of Christ. And we're going to look into Luke chapters 9 and 10. And so as we do that, would you stand with me this morning as we read God's word together in one loud voice as a community of believers declaring God's word. And so let's, we're going to jump around a little bit, but stick with me and uh, let's read this together. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from the village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest before to send out the workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it directs us and it redirects us, that it inspires us, and even at times it corrects us. And so as your church today, we open our hearts, we open our ears, we open our minds to the word that you have in store. Lord, you have created this apostolic ministry for each of your followers. And so, Lord, allow us to pick that up and carry it with boldness as we learn what you have in store for us today. Lord, use us, each and every one of us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. So the 12 disciples, they became known as what? The 12 apostles. Matthew, an apostle himself, listed their names. We can find it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2 through 4. And it says this, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. With the caveat provided that Judas Iscariot, he does betray Jesus. We read that in Acts chapter 1, verses 23 through 26, where it says, 
So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. Do you remember we talked about him this winter and the important role that he had in this apostolic ministry? And there's also Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, so show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. When Judas left to go where he belongs, then they cast lots and the lots fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Matthias had been with the apostles and with Jesus all the way along. He was living with them. He ministered with them. He was there from the baptism through the ascension. He was an eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection. He wasn't just some guy. He was there. So the question remains, could there be more than the 12 apostles? Started at 11 and it transitioned and back to 12. So what is the answer? The answer is yes. Yes, there can be more than 12, many more. It opens the horizons for a future of apostolic ministry, not just then, but also for now and here. You see, many of us are familiar with the transformation of Saul to Paul and are comfortable referring to him as an apostle. But we often underestimate the critical role that Barnabas played in vouching for the apostles. Acts 14, verses 14 through 15, Luke attributes to this, this special designation to Paul and Barnabas during their ministry. Verse 14 says, But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. Barnabas was more than an encourager. He was an apostle. In addition to Paul and Barnabas, we, we have to add two more names. In 1 Thessalonians 1.1, we learn that Paul penned his epistle alongside who? Silas and Timothy. Two more names come added to the list. Therefore, we have to keep adding. Romans 16.7, the apostle Paul sends his greeting to two other apostles. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison. They are outside standing among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. It's important that we stop for a moment. And what I appreciated this morning as I picked up Pastor Chris's notes is, these are his words. He says, it's important that we stop for a moment and recognize that we have a woman who is recognized as an apostle. Junius is a woman who is outstanding amongst the apostles. Men and women alike have been called for God to carry the good news. Lest we forget, we also have to share that Jesus is also an apostle. Hebrews 3.1, we read, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. This makes sense because according to the five-fold ministry paradigm, Jesus operated in all five of these functions. We want to be clear this morning that apostle is not limited to a role or an office. It is a gift. It is a ministry function that we operate out of. And yes, there are apostolic giftings for some. There is a unique apostolic gifting for some. 
but there is also a general apostolic ministry placed on all believers. All believers. Say that with me. All believers. That means you. If it's lacking, it needs to be developed. And so that's what we're working on this morning. We are developing our apostolic gifts, our apostolic functions, that they live within us. We have to work on them this morning. We want to share about the strategic role that the apostolic ministry plays in expanding the boundaries and the creative networks for Christianity to flourish. It's a worldwide movement based on Luke 9 and 10, and we're going to explore that this morning. The Greek word apostello comes from the word apostle, and it means what? Sent one. He is sending you, church. He is sending us. I want you to know that our God is a sending God. To whom and to where has he sent you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Who is he sending me to? Who has he purposed me for? And where do I need to go? See, Jesus sent the 12. We find it in Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had, the tw- when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them what power and authority to drive out all demons and cure disease. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Wow. He sent them. Jesus sent the 12. When we think of the 12 apostles, we think of those who were uniquely called to a specific role in pioneering the Christian movement. In the same way, we understand that pastors would be assumed for set-apart purposes. There's a ministry. You see, these apostles, they gave up their careers. They set it to the side after training, after prep, after the years in their field. They set it aside and they said, God has something else for me. They set aside their field to become an apostle. So the question for you is, why not continue to use the term disciple instead of changing it to apostle? This is a good question. The gospel accounts that we now read, they were written with hindsight. This is why Matthew and John, two of the 12 apostles, and Mark and Luke could interchange between disciple and apostle. There's more background behind the usage of apostle. At some point, every disciple of Jesus Christ must be sent. Every disciple of Jesus Christ must be sent. Because a sent disciple is an apostle who functions in apostolic ministry. The change in terms says something about a shift from learning to doing and from following to going. There's an action. There's a shift that takes place. You'll notice that he gave them, proceeded, he sent them. He prepared them. The point here is that this is a delegated authority. It's a power that comes from Jesus. The apostolic gifting can never come from within ourselves. We cannot create it. It always comes directly from Jesus. He didn't send them out powerless, but in his own power so that they can do the things that he did. He empowered them. I find it interesting that in Luke 9, we learn that apostolic ministry still includes miracles, signs, wonders, preaching about the kingdom of God. 
In fact, we cannot divorce this supernatural phenomenon from any of these fivefold ministries. We have to expect it. They are tied together. We might relegate the supernatural evidence of the work maybe to the evangelist. Oh, that's where the spirit moves. <laughs> or maybe to the preaching task of the pastor. That's where the Holy Spirit moves. But we have to understand that it is part of every role. The spirit moves in the life and the work of the apostle, the apostolic. Some view the apostle more of a generalist. He can or she can do a little bit of everything rather than specialize in one set thing. While there is some truth to this, I think there's still some other things that are set apart specifically for this apostolic ministry, something different from the other four ministries. To bring a clearer definition to this apostolic ministry, we're going to read some roles and responsibilities from a missiologist named Alan Hirsch. He is the author of the book 5Q, which were some of us, about 115 of us, are going to start digging into this week. And I will just lay it out here real quick that if you want to join us, this is your very last chance. Our course starts this Wednesday here at the church, 7 to 8.30 for six weeks. And if you keep forgetting to, me, to email me, this is your last chance. Not tomorrow, today, because I have to prep the material. So if you want to join us, there's room for you. And this is what Alan says about the roles of the apostolic ministry. He says, apostles extend Christianity. They maintain movement, maintain focus on broadest purpose and mission. They design scalable organizations, maintain compliance around core DNA, maintain paradigm and vision, plant the gospel by development of new congregations and the innovation of new forms. They cultivate entrepreneurship. They maintain translocal networks, maintain movement-wide unity while cultivating diversity. They maintain systemic health and mobilize effort. So what does this mean? <laughs> the apostolic ministry is about taking Christianity to the places where it has never been, using methods which have not been communicated with before. See, consider the scope of this apostolic ministry of only the 12, looking at a consensus of the church followers, the fathers. Andrew, so all of these are our apostles. Andrew was said to have gone to Scythia, which is the modern-day Kazakhstan. Russia, and Ukraine. Bartholomew, known as Nathaniel, was said to have gone to Armenia. James went to Egypt, and James, the son of Zebedee, he died in Acts 12 too. We know that John went to Ephesus, and Thaddeus, known as Jude, was said to have gone to Persia, which is modern-day Iraq and Syria. Matthew went to Ethiopia, and Matthias also went to Ethiopia. We know that Peter went to Rome, and Philip was said to go to Turkey. Thomas went to India, and Simon the Zealot was said to have gone to Egypt, North Africa, Persia, and Armenia. The apostolic call has a global dimension with a passion to see Christ go to the very ends of the earth. It is not about wanderlust traveling, seeing the world. It's about bringing Christ to every tribe, every language, every tongue, every people, every nation. Second thing is this, Jesus sent the 72. We find it in Luke 10, verse 1. He says, 
After the Lord appointed 72 others, he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus went from sending 12 to sending 72. 60 more people were sent out, mobilized into apostolic ministry. I can tell you right now, he didn't stop there. He's still sending. We move from a specialized apostolic ministry to a general one that we are a part of. I want you to notice what Jesus is doing here. In Luke 9.51, we find this insight about Jesus' plan, and it says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus set out for Jerusalem. As he stayed in Jerusalem, he sent the 72 out on mission, and they were sent in two by two, 36 pairs to different places, all bordering the vicinity. They began preparing the way. What's noteworthy here is they were to go ahead of, ahead of Jesus. They went into every town preparing them for the message that was to come. Apostolic ministry is part of God's expansion plan, preparing people for the eventual arrival of Jesus. This is important. This is a very important ministry. Apostles are like forerunners. They herald the news before it becomes a reality. Their travel would require time. And crossing into vast geographic regions, it would be new ground, not familiar spaces. Apostolic ministry steps out in faith, recognizing that we haven't been this way before. And we may not get it right, but we're going to move forward. Tom Bolzinger, in his book called Canoeing the Mountains, said, churches need to keep adventuring or they will die. It is living life on the edge with a spirit of adventure for what God can and will do. Do you believe that God can and will do something through your life? Do you? Pastor Sharon does. Church, maybe you need to hear that as a truth today. God can and will do incredible work through your life when you allow him to. But you have to allow him to. Luke 10, 13 to 15, Jesus pronounced several woes that justified the reasons for him sending the 72. Jesus performed, performed miracles locally in Chorazin, Basita, and Capernaum. These are all Jewish-dominated locations, and yet many still did not believe him. Jesus boldly said that if these miracles had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, Gentile-dominated locations, surely they would have believed him. So woe to those who do not believe, but wow to those who do, because it will change their lives. The apostolic call has a local dimension with a passion to see Christ go into cities and neighborhoods. So let's take a look at their testimony. In Luke 10, 17, it says, the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were amazed because God used them. They said yes, and God used them. It was not the healings, but the deliverances that caught their attention. They thought it was not possible, but it was. Now let's take a look at Jesus' response because this is so important. In Luke 10, 20, he says, however, 
Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. In simple terms, it's not about the show, it's about the souls. The motivation for apostolic ministry should not be the signs, but the salvations. It's a reminder that it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Keep, as Pastor Chris always says, keep the main thing the main thing. It's the souls, it's the salvation. A third thing is this, Jesus can send you. Say, Jesus can send me. Oh, there's some boldness. That's good. John 17, 18 and John 20, 21 tell us this. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. According to Alan Hirsch, apostolic ministry is to maintain and develop the sentness of the church. To keep going. God did not stop with the twelve or with the 72. He has been gifting and sending people for over 2,000 years, and he's still doing it today. The Apostle John captures the essence of the mission of the church just as the Father sent the Son, so Jesus the Son is sending us. Notice that it's into the world that he sends. It's a global mission. There are two things that Jesus tells us to anticipate. The first is this, anticipate acceptance. People will accept his, me his message. Luke 9, 3-4 says, He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, and whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Jesus told his apostles specifically not to take anything with them. No toothbrush, no deodorant, no eyeliner, no extra shirt. That takes faith. Our first century, 20th century, our 20th century minds, we struggle with this. We struggle with the idea that if God's going to send us, he's going to provide for us. We cannot fathom going out without adequate supplies, money, provisions, a plan. Where are my planners in the room? It's not a bad thing to be a planner. Going out without a plan is terrifying. I see you. I know you exist. We like a plan. We like to make sure we can get all the way to point B without running out of gas. And God says, sometimes you have to trust me. People will open up their homes when God tells you to go into them. Towns will open when God says go. These places become new outposts for kingdom advancement. Apostolic ministry is heavily built on networking. If you do not spend enough time in one place and you keep moving place to place, you will never have adequate time to build relationship. Relationship builds networks. And when you are in a good, strong network, you run into those people who will say, oh yeah, I have a great aunt who lives in that city. Oh yeah, my friend's mom's sister lives over there. Let me give you her number. You know those people. They're networkers. You become part of the body of Christ that is deep and wide. It is resourceful because God has created that way. When we network, 
These relationships, they're established over meals and coffees and time spent together. People who were once strangers quickly become friends, friends who become like family. This is the family of God. There's a second thing we anticipate, and that's rejection. And we like to look at the first part, and we, we like to say, I want to anticipate acceptance. And I'm going to hold on to that promise, and I'm going to hold on to that truth. But we also have to hold on to this other truth, this other promise. It's a hard one, but it's still both those things. Luke 9.5 tells us that if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as testimony against them. You will receive rejection. Thankfully, Jesus did not send out his apostles naively. He warned them. People are going to reject you. They're going to reject your message, and they're going to reject your ministry, but it's okay. The way one is welcomed is an indication of whether he or she should leave or stay. God does not force himself upon people. Otherwise, that would contradict human free will. God takes people seriously, and those who are rejected and those who reject his apostles ultimately will be passed by. God instructed his apostles to testify of their experience by shaking the dust off their feet. The apostles, Paul and Barnabas, did this very thing in Acts 13, verses 50 and 51. It says, But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of that city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And they expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them. And they went to Iconium. They moved forward. In ministry, we need to learn how to not take things personally and instead just shake it off and move forward. Friends, some will really struggle with the gospel. Some will really struggle with this message of hope. And our job is not to convince them. That is the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to obediently walk into the places and walk to the people that God has instructed us to and to share the message we've been instructed to share. And we leave the rest in his hands. We don't walk away offended and hurt because that keeps us from making it to the next place we're called to. We keep walking forward. This means that apostolic ministry is not dependent on you. That's really important. You cannot bring people to Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit does that. So you do what you can do, and God does the rest. God sends. You go. The people decide. You cannot decide for them. But we have to do what we are called to do. Because when we miss our part, then the people can't have their part. So we're going to wrap up this way this morning. If I were to pick one scripture that encapsulates the mandate of the apostolic ministry, it would be 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, in which the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's not about our personality. It's not about our opinion. It's not about our fame. It's not about us winning. 
When we go out to our cities, to our neighborhoods, to our communities, across the country, when we go to the globe, we represent the presence and the mind of the King of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Our apostolic responsibility is to share his message of reconciliation to those who have not yet heard it. We might understand what an ambassador does, but I don't think we see ourselves this way. We have a high calling, and it's come straight from the mouth of Jesus to carry this ministry that he has placed within all believers. You said it yourself out loud earlier. All believers, that's you. If it's not you, if you're not yet a believer, I'd love to talk to you about that, what that means. But if you are a believer, and if you've made that choice, then you're included. You are an ambassador of Christ, carrying the good news of Christ forward. Represent Jesus well in this world. Say only what he has asked you to say and present his interests to the people, not yours. It's not your kingdom. It's his. It's not your ministry. It's his. And the people of this world, they're not your people. They're his. And so we steward this ministry well. And some days it's hard, but we say, yes, Lord, let my faith rise because I like a plan. I like a clean shirt on my back. But he says, walk forward. I will send you. You just have to go.